Hi friends, Logan Clements here with the Better Events Podcast. And in this week's episode, we're doing something that honestly, when I was a beginner planner, I wish was out there more. And Mary and I actually talk about how much events cost. And I just think we talk about numbers in the event planning process, but this is where Mary and I are actually going to dive into some budgets and share real numbers with you for everything from what working with one of us maybe costs, for production support, for full-on event support. And again, these are just examples, but it's really helpful for informing you kind of maybe seeing where you're at or also just knowing when you go into these conversations roughly what things are going to cost you in the event world. And before we get into the episode, one of the big things we love about the podcast is you, listeners, the community. And we appreciate everything that you're doing to help us grow this community. So if you are finding value in this episode or a past episode, please consider sharing it with one of your event friends. Or you can always leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts that helps other people like you find us and help us grow this community. And as always, we always appreciate getting bought a coffee down in our link below if you want to continue to support the podcast. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow, and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started, and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. I'm your co-host, Logan Clements, and I'm joined by fellow co-host, Mary Davidson. And before we jump into how much events actually cost and walking through some budgets, Mary, I've got a conversation starter for you, and this one's about your name. Mm -hmm. Do you like your name, and do you know who named you and what your name means? Okay. Do I like my name? Not really. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here with it. Uh, do I know like where my name come from, comes from or what it means? So my mom, my middle name is Rose, Mary Rose. My mom's name is Rosemary. That's rude. Mom, if you're listening to this, (laughs) um, cause we get our names (laughs) confused a lot. Cause my mom goes by Rose and I go by Mary. And so people have just called each other. I mean, called us each other's names like constantly. So that's part one. I mean, I think we all know where my name comes from, <laughs> but um, the the title, uh, Mary, let's see, what is it? The meaning of Mary. Sorry, I'm Googling it because it's, I'm pretty sure it's something like dark. Um, I think it means sea of bitterness. Yep. Sea of bitterness. What? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'd love well, to learn about your name, though, Logan, because that's also my husband's name. <laughs> yes, we do, listeners. <laughs> it's quite funny when we tell stories. It has to be it's Mary's Logan or me when yes. there's two Logans. It's very confusing. Um, when I was younger, I didn't love my name because it was predominantly it's predominantly a, a men's name, and I think when I was a kid, I just didn't love that. As an adult, I have loved it because I do think working in sports and male dominated spaces, it's actually helped me. I've, I have anecdotes from people where legitimately they thought I was a guy and they took the meeting and then it was too late for them to be like, I can't meet with you anymore because you're a lady. Um, and I just enjoy uh, messing with people's assumptions when they see my name written and then they hear my voice on the phone or meet me in person. And they'll later usually confess they thought I was a guy. Uh, my name is a family name. It comes from my grandpa's, my great grandma on my mom's side 
Uh, she was Rebecca Logan. And so I got Logan as a first name. I am not sure if they picked it so that it was unisex. So it could be, you know, it didn't matter if I was a boy or a girl that I would have the name Logan. Um, and I can't remember. I want to say my name in like Hebrew means little forest or something um, for Logan in terms of the actual meaning. But I always like it has a family tie to it. Um, and then I've just really leaned into, I feel like I had it a lot in the last couple of months. I've had some folks I'd never met in person or been on a call with that openly were like, I'm not going to lie. I thought you were going to be a guy. And I always, it just makes, get a little chuckle out of it. I've always like, yep, cool. Let's move forward. <laughs> Don't think that should impact what we're doing, but you never know. So there's the story behind Logan. I love it. It says it means little hollow. So you were, there you go. Hollow. You know, but I love it. Mm, yeah. That's awesome. Well, we, you know, are going to get into our episode about the how much these events cost. We've talked about budgets. We've done budgeting, you know, one on one for events, but we're really going to get into it for this episode and talk about line items. And so it's important, you know, to know your numbers as an event host or an event planner. And so we're going to talk through a few samples of event budgets that we've worked off of the last year to create kind of a framework for your next event budget. So we hope you find this useful. Um, and of course, we're going to start off at the very beginning. So Logan, event budgets, what do we mean by that? Event budgets, it can, I mean, it's what does stuff cost? And it can be as as macro as the whole event. What does the entire event cost? Uh, all the way down to like, what's your budget for your piece of the event or your role at the event? Um, and it's just, it's ideally a spreadsheet. Please make it be a spreadsheet um, that you have that is tracking all of this information. And so you use a spreadsheet, not a Word document, because then you can use formulas to do some of the math for you. So you don't have to be very math heavy. Um, and ideally, you're tracking not only your costs, but also your revenue. And I think mainly what we're going to focus on in this episode is more the actual costs of things. Um, but know that your budget should really honestly encompass both um, so that you're able to track the profitability of your event. And I, can, I can't really think of an example off the top of my head why you wouldn't want to know your uh, revenue. But, but yes, it should track both. Good, important tool for events that I'm surprised how often folks don't really utilize it. I think it depends, you know, your organization, but important. Definitely. Yes. And I will listeners, you might've remembered that I used to be a math, I was going to be a math major in college. So I love the numbers and this is the vein that I, most events, when, if I get brought into work, I always want to see last year's budget. I just want to see it. And I want to see it because I want to see what the estimates and the actuals ended up being. Uh, more often than not right now, though, I'm only responsible for a part of the event. I'm not necessarily overseeing the entire event budget. So the examples that I'm going to share are going to be a little bit more from that production lens, whether it's the actual production AV equipment side of your event um, or the labor and the equipment, so the people and the producers and the people behind it. It's kind of going to be where I'm coming from. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to to kind of get into it a little bit more. I know for the events that I do, it's we're just like, you know, so budget conscious it's like pinching pennies the entire part of the process so i'm sure you're going to hear that reflected as well yes yes um all right i think do you want to dive in i can jump in with a yeah my first example of kind of what things cost um this one was for a client that was doing a hybrid event so we were going to have an in-person element as well as a virtual one and this had, I'm just pulling it up so I got a top of mind. Um, and so this budget was for 
the hybrid event production. So this was some video editing and pre-recording of sessions that we were then going to run like they were live for both the virtual audience and the in-person audience. Um, it was also then working with all of our speakers who were going to be with us in person or virtual, and then the actual event execution. And what kind of was a big driver that impacted budget was that they wanted to have um, concurrent things happening at once, meaning more than one session was happening at a time. So with that, it ended up being that we needed to have multiple people in the same role because we couldn't have one person kind of running through all the different rooms, both in person and virtual. Um, and so every concurrent, you might hear them called a stage or a track um, or a segment. Um, you're going to need a different body kind of in that room based on the size of the event. So this hybrid event production budget was $19,000. <laughs> a nice big number for me in my head for what we were executing. But when I really broke it down line by line, um, this covered the actual editing, video editing, which is one that if you do budgets um, with event production in it, video editing is pretty time consuming, not necessarily because the edits are quite large, but if it's the sheer volume of content, meaning if you have very long videos, um, 30 minute sessions, 45 minute sessions, like that just takes time to do some of the little trimming and then just to export it, like just to just to get it off your computer into a playable file, that just takes time. And unfortunately, I've had an event where we were up against the clock for that not coming off. But so that could equal up to, you know, that's anywhere billed from anywhere from 75 to $150 an hour. So that was a big four grand of the $19,000 was uh, just for video editing alone. Um, that was up to 45 hours of editing. So they got, the client got to get a lot of sessions out of it. Um, and then it also included the people for our hybrid event production team. And so we had myself um, and then I had two producers on site with me and a technical director. So the producers, I called them associate producers. So they were in charge of a room and making sure the video played well. There wasn't any issues and they managed helping record content ahead of time. They were kind of like my adult in the rooms. Um, and then I had a technical director because I had one room where we were utilizing the on-site AV equipment. So we were using their lighting, their microphones, um, and it didn't come with an on-site person from the venue to help us uh, execute those. So I always call my technical director or streaming engineer someone who is has an AV background and knows some more about cables and things that I do. So they usually are billed a little bit higher. Um, and then I had two folks who were supporting me virtually. And so they weren't having to do, they weren't necessarily on site with us, but they were coming to me remote from their homes. Um, and so that was a little bit less of a lift because they didn't have to travel, um, but maybe a little bit more because they had to make sure if something happened on site, they were in charge of just making sure the platform still, everything ran nicely. Um, and so that was where anywhere from like, as a lead, I charge, you know, I was managing the whole project for months leading up to it. So I was up there at like 4,800 for my role. Um, and then I had another associate producer who was pretty involved in the pre-planning process. So they came in a little under me at 4,200. Um, and then my technical director was 3,400 for a little bit of pre-planning and helping me test the live stream and making sure that kind of part worked out as well as this includes on-site as well. Um, and then my two associate producers my second associate producer on site who was really just an on-site person and my two virtual people came in at 1200 each. So that all, if you add up all of that, um, comes out to about 14,500 plus the other three. And then I tacked on, um, $1,400 for a project management fee, which is something that I've started to do when I have to manage a larger team 
Uh, and this included the rental of my Vimeo account, which I pay a good amount per year to have. And this was cheaper than them buying their own. Um, and then that also for me, project management fee is kind of a percentage of the total event fee um, that I'm using to help cover my time just for managing the people, finding the people, onboarding them, doing the invoicing with them, like all of that kind of more admin stuff I've started to capture under that. So 19 grand is pretty robust for me for a hybrid production. I think usually some of my budgets for what I do is like closer in the anywhere from like three to, you know, nine or $10,000. But this one, because there was co concurrent things and you legitimately cannot be in more than one place at once, I had to have a team of what was it? Four people on site and two virtual. So we were a six person team. Whew. That's a lot. I love it though. It's like really helpful to, to hear the numbers for sure. Um, is there anything else on there that you wanted to cover on that budget specifically? I think the only things I'm looking at my little notes that I did not include, and I will often bill these back for the client is in my budgets. I ask for meals um, when I'm on site for more than five hours. So this was uh, two full days for my team. And so my budget did not include the cost for the meals. And I built that based on actuals. We got food delivered. Um, and that was included in my final invoice. I think that came out to about $100 a day for five, four, five people to get fed on site. And then we flew in one team member from offsite um, and he ended up staying with me. So he didn't have to have somewhere to stay, but we then I build based on actuals and I just include an estimate saying it would be about $500 to fly, fly this person in. And I think I got him a flight that ended up being like 400 um, and I built that back. Awesome. Well, then I, I can hop over to an event budget and kind of give an example and I'll give context to like you did as well. So this event um, was actually similar to a handful of events that I've done uh, this last spring. And so I like it because it, the budget um, kind of applied similarly, as I said, to these other ones, including what I was making. Um, and so, you know, uh, the event itself was a fundraiser. Surprise, surprise. It was around 300 attendees. Um, it was a dinner, a program, a little reception before then, and then a small after party. So kind of like a typical format in that sense. It was a seated dinner. So there was like plated meals and things like that. Um, and then some fundraising opportunities along the way. And my role was very much, you know, coming in and doing planning in the sense of project management and event design, which I actually brought on a contractor for, and then um, helping with the run of show, you know, uh, managing speakers and things like that. And there were a lot of like speakers and performers that night. So we kind of split up those responsibilities, um, but on site doing registration, which was actually unique. Usually I try to hire that out to somebody else. And I don't know there's probably a couple other things, but I think that's the basics of what the event was. And so when we're looking at the budget, the budget for this one was was interesting. It had many iterations and a lot of pushback. So we really like this was one that we had to constantly make sure we were not even like a dollar over budget. And so to be able to give them an accurate budget to approve, we had to, you know, get so many quotes and, you know, make sure this is really the direction that we wanted to go. So this was really intense. This was an intense budgeting process that I feel like I have a little bit of like, I don't know, I'm just glad it's over. It stresses me out. But <laughs> But I think it's a good example. So that's why I chose this one. Um, so yeah, I'll go down some of the line items. I really want to touch on food and beverage as well and some other things. Um, so the first is the labor. You know, Logan talked about labor. Um, for the event production itself, I kind of described what our role was. We were coming in right around like 8,500. Within that number, I was hiring um, an event designer because that's a role that we were 
supposed to cover. And so I was bringing in somebody who specialized in that. Um, and then I did pay someone to lead registration as well. And so um, that registration lead, I think, was getting like $750 to come that night. And she was just bringing like herself, you know, I, we provided the equipment or the client provided some of the equipment as well. And the event designer um, was actually the one who really, you know, sourced a lot of the vendors and things like that. So she came in way before then and was there all night kind of like navigating and guiding that process. The event was also like pretty heavily themed. And so she had a lot of iterations of her of her um, event design and things like that. So she had a, a much larger role. And I can't even remember where her contract landed. I should have pulled that up. But it was, I don't know, probably a third of what we made. So something like that. And so um, there's this like lovely, you know, we talk about it, miscellaneous discretionary line item, which just drives me absolutely crazy. <laughs> but that's in there. And, and there were a lot of references of like, you know, oh, we could just, we could pull from this because we haven't used it yet. And I'm like, no, no, it's not the purpose. The purpose of that is to keep it because something is going to come up and something did come up that made us go over budget. Anyway, so then the catering costs, the food and beverage, this is <clears throat> the piece I really want to break down. So I said it was a seated dinner. It had, you know, the typical like courses that you would expect, including some desserts and things like that. Um, but the thing that really got us with this is, I mean, with, with any catering, um, is we had to use preferred caterers at the venue and it was just expensive, you know, it just is. And so, um, we landed right around, I think 45,000, which is how many people again, like three, I think we ended up doing 350, like food count was 350. Um, and so that was overall com like food and beverage completely, including, you know, the staff, the catering staff, the banquet staff. Um, but to break it down even further, it was the food itself was coming in around 15,000 and then alcohol was like 4,000 and we only gave people one drink ticket. That's the crazy part is it was a lot more. And then in order to fit budget, those folks only got one drink ticket and they had to buy wow. beyond that. Yeah. And then the staff was like 12,000 and then they brought rentals with them, which is another 5,000, you know, so it just, <laughs> just adds up and it's crazy. Next thing you know, it's 45,000. <laughs> so that was, that is idea. one that just to like call out for folks. And this is like, when you see menus, catering menus or hotel menus that tell you like, oh, you get this for $50 a person or something. Just don't forget about what Mary's talking about. Like the plus, 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 like the serving staff, the yeah, the alcohol, the food, the drinks. And then even if it's in like a hotel, you're going to get tax plus a service charge plus a like, you're not seeing the full dollar amount. So I'm like, always be skeptical. It's going to come out to like you're saying, you paid $15,000 for food, but somehow turned out three times that amount. <laughs> it's crazy. And just to give like a comparison, I don't have this budget pulled up, but like we did an event that was on someone's property and they were able to bring in any caterer that they wanted. And they ended up doing these like really simple, like boxed meals and I think they paid $3,000, like, I mean, for for 200 people, right? But still yeah. drastic, drastic difference. Now, there was no alcohol and, like, stuff like that. But there were actually some catering stuff that did come and help serve. Um, but just drastic difference. So really key when you're picking a venue. I know that's not what we're talking about today, but it really can impact your budget. I think of any other costs to kind of talk through in the budget. Um we usually account for, you know, printing and credit card fees and things like that. Of course, the venue, 
Um, and then, and then vendors, you know, I'm not going to go down and list vendors because there's just so many different kinds that you need, but vendors and rentals just can really, really add up rentals, especially. So in this budget, we broke down the rental items by like each item specifically to really determine if we really needed all those decorative pieces. And so <laughs> that was a little bit laborious, but it, um, you have some examples. I feel like people need to hear the cost. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see here. We have like, oh, so we got these centerpieces um, from Amazon and they were all in all, I think, oh gosh, where is that one? Like almost $600 for 35 tables worth of centerpieces. Um, wow. And I mean, the stuff just adds up. It's crazy. Like alone, I think it was, oh gosh, this math, don't, don't quote me on this math, but I think it was like maybe 13 or $16 a table, which is not that much, especially if you're comparing it to like floral centerpieces yeah. or something like that, but it just adds up. Um, let's see what else. Um, well, you're pulling one. I feel like I had for another, it was like an association dinner um, that I did day of coordinating. It was, we had all this beautiful live, like green foliage of like live plants that we turned into this beautiful kind of green wall around the stage on the left and the right and a little bit on the, the front of the stage, but everything was living. None of it was like cut flowers. It was all live um, from a florist and it was like beautiful and really made the pipe and drape, you know, pop and it looked very special, but it was like, yeah, it was like $2,000. Yeah. For it's plants and it was great. Yeah. The, the, the owner came and she set them all up and she took them yeah. away after and it was beautiful. And I know it like, again, not saying it was not worth it, but I think just putting dollar amounts when you probably have stakeholders or organizers or people on your board who are like, why aren't we doing this? It's like, well, you can go get the quotes, but just let them know. Like some of this stuff costs a good amount of money or like an armchair for the stage. Yeah. It's like $300 to rent it. Just, you don't own it. Yeah. <laughs> like sofas for this were like 400 each. And then a hedge wall, which was fake, not the real thing like you're talking about was like almost $400 each as well. Like this thing's just add up. It's crazy. I'm telling you, it gives me anxiety because I'm usually working with people who don't want to pay for this type of thing. So I'm like, ah. <laughs> it is. Well, but, and that's different. I guess I think to a larger point we're trying to make with this, this episode and we can keep pulling some examples, but like one question I had that I know people have talked to me about is like, how do I know if I'm spending the right amount of money on my event? And the, the hard answer I feel like is there's no right amount because everyone's yeah. events different. Everybody's events goals are different. What is, you know, earth shatteringly like, oh my gosh, that's so expensive is like a deal to somebody else. And so it's really more, what are your event goals? What is the, what is your actual budget? And it's okay to aspire to more each year or do hacks. Like you're talking about an Amazon centerpiece versus live florals. Like there are exchanges you can make. Um, so there's no like right answer. Um, but usually it's more that you just have to like shop around and then really be looking at your budget of like what made an impact. And I feel like any of our listeners who ever have ever planned a wedding where you have to actually experience this of realizing that you can't have everything probably for your budget. So you have to prioritize things and say, yes, I want a band. No, I won't do fancy centerpieces or yes, I want fancy centerpieces. Like we won't do a videographer. You know, th th there's exchanges you do in every event. You're doing a very similar thing. Yeah, it's crazy because like you said, depending on the kind of event who your clients are, like some really might not care so much it's more about the, like the theme and like what's accomplished this thing and then others it's it's way more about the money and things like that and so I yeah you just got to be flexible and you got to be you know this is why budgets are important for you as an event professional to 
be familiar with is because that is where, like Logan said, you can come in and say, well, how about this instead of this? Or this might be a better payoff than this. Um, so yeah. that's definitely really valuable. Yeah. And I try to do that with new vendors that I meet of knowing like, hey, what's a good budget or like for for a great client for you, like what's a good budget range? And you're going to mm-hmm. have some people who are like, we work with everybody. But like the an example I had was for uh, another hybrid event um, where we were renting equipment um, to be able to do this live stream. And so what we were really looking for was like a couple cameras, um, uh, somebody to and some audio and somebody and people to operate the cameras, mix the audio. So we made sure we had a good balance, some microphones for our speakers, some lighting because we were using someone's private house um, and then the labor. So the people behind all of that and they were going to have to deliver it um, and work it for two days. And I shopped the quote around because it was an event we'd done in a different city. So I had the people who um, we'd worked with the year prior do travel, but unfortunately they were already booked by the time we were talking about this event. And so I got two very different quotes for the same exact brief. And I had to pull it up to make sure I did um, for just everything I mentioned, cameras, uh, labor, equipment. Um, my One of my quotes I got was for $48,000. for all of that AV equipment I I counted. And the year before we'd paid $6,500 for it. So my client's mouth was like on the floor and I granted had gotten them a range of quotes, but it was just, it was just crazy, just the different companies. And so like that kind of a company, a $48,000 company, they're going to be better for my corporate clients. They're not going to be, this was a nonprofit. It was one of those that I'm looking at, like just the day rates. They wanted to give us a switcher, which is what controls goes, what goes on the screen for $10,000. No. The actual equipment, <laughs> which I was like, okay, we definitely don't, either we don't need that fancy of a switcher or like it should only be a hundred, like a couple hundred dollars. But anyway, the quote of who we ended up going with um, did end up being the lowest one quoted, but I also had some calls with them and felt like they understood our needs the best. And so what we actually ended up paying was about $8,200. So we paid $2,000 more than where we were the year prior, but we also moved to a different city. It was a little bit harder to get to. There's a travel fee included of getting them, you know, the delivery all the way out there. Um, but just that range of $8,200 versus $48,000 for the exact same thing. Um, so I feel like just one of my tips for people, for event pros about how to either save money or just be more budget friendly is like always get competing quotes. Always ask for a couple from a couple different people. And you don't have to go with the cheapest one, but it just gives you a better range. And then you can frame it for how, how you want to, um, you know, how you want to talk through it and how you want to make that argument. It sounds like Mary, you had a scenario where you had a lot of pushback on budget. I have some clients who really want to know line by line exactly what they're getting and other people who just trust me of like, okay, this is the option we're going with. Um, but you can also sometimes leverage and especially if my AV brain is going like if you're using in-house AV, like Encore, someone at your venue, your hotel, and you're allowed to bring in someone external, go get an external quote and then go back to Encore and see if they'll match or at least bring them down. I had a scenario where they took tens of thousands of dollars off because they were very inflated and we got an outside quote and they're like, oh, I think we can actually match that number. I was like, oh, magical. Interesting. <laughs> that is awesome. I'm, I'm in this scenario right now, Logan, so I'm going to go to- try that that's awesome yeah yeah budgets are crazy it's just insane like how much it can vary i was just thinking too like a venue we recently worked with was forty thousand dollars because it had they included the production within that cost so you're thinking of your av cost plus the venue and they made this amazing production and then to this other place that we're renting for a different event that's a little smaller you know i think it can seat like 200 people three thousand dollars 
you yeah. know, but it doesn't come with any of the AV stuff. It's just, it's confusing. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. And that's like, I think the hard part, and I will say, I think physical goods are a little bit more consistent in budget and how yeah. much things cost, like a venue like that, that your venue discrepancy, it's like, yeah, it includes labor and stuff. Labor is always to me the, the, the wild card because it, one, those have gone up. There's a shortage of people, especially in like the production space who know what they're doing. And so to get the A team, you do need to pay more money. Uh, you can get discounts and cheap folks, but you know, you might get burned that way. Um, so that's one that I always, and every year I have to revisit like the people I like, the contractors I like to work with. I always want to revisit to be like, Hey, what are your current rates? I need to factor those in. Like, I think my hybrid budget I talked through earlier might've sounded like, you know, pretty high, but it also is like really important to me when I bring in folks that I want to compensate them for their expertise. And again, knowing I could get someone cheaper who might be $20 an hour, but I'm probably going to get what I paid for. And they're not going to have that confidence of being able to do independent work and that kind of stuff. So, um, the range is really wide um, with budgets and and how much things cost, but that shouldn't deter you. Like you can host a great event for a couple thousand dollars. You can also host a great event for a couple million dollars. And like the solutions, the venues you can afford, the partners you can bring in, like it is, it really does range. Um, and I think that's a cool thing that I love that you and I, Mary, do because we do work on events very very big ranges of events. And so that's why I always, I'm like, if you ask me that question of what's your ideal budget for a client, I'm like, I don't really have one, but the, the varying level of support I can give you, my big hundreds of thousands, you know, million dollar production budget clients are going to probably want to pay me for hundreds of hours of my time versus my smaller folks who are a one day event. They probably only need about 10 hours of prep time. So like what I would charge are going to be very different just based on the level of effort on my end of what kind of handholding they need. Yeah, that's a great point. And then what would you say, though, are some we've kind of covered some of these along the way, but some money saving or like budget friendly tips for event professionals as they're working through this? Yeah, I think the earlier one of like getting competing quotes is really helpful, just especially if you're quoting out for something you've never had to quote for, like a service like Mary mentioned, like a registration vendor, someone to run your registration, like just get a couple quotes. I don't do that all the time with some now with production budgets. I kind of know the range and I know how much things could, should cost. So I don't have to do it all the time, but always get multiples. Um, and then I do think your point about having, uh, if it's not miscellaneous, but kind of like a buffer, I think I've heard it called contingency before um, in your budget. If you're getting a feeling from your client that like, hey, this is the most we can spend like, great, you should actually plan on it probably coming in 10% below that and then have 10% for contingencies. Because um, I will say, Mary, one of my favorite phenomenons is how much people negotiate ahead of the event and then you get to the event and you're like on site and they're just like, just pay for it. Like, just just get it. Just, sorry, just like pay for the parking or pay for the extra, like, let's keep the bar open for another hour or two or, you know, whatever it is, like all of a sudden they don't mind because they just need the event to happen. Um but making sure you're having those conversations, I think, is really important. Um, and then you can also save money just by shortening your program, not doing a full day or doing a load in the same day. It's more stressful to load in the same day as the actual event, but that will save you money of less of a venue, labor, everything fee. Um, or making sure your days are just shorter so you don't go into overtime with your crew and folks who are there by making sure the days are including setup and wrap up at the end of the day fall within an eight or 10 hour day that's going to save you money versus having a marathon long day. Um, and then another one is just like, if you do breakouts, how many concurrent things you have happening? I've seen clients save a ton of money by having less breakouts, less 
things happening at the same times because you need less room, less equipment, less food, or having even, I mean, the common wedding advice is just invite less people because <laughs> the fewer people you have, the, the exponentially lower your budget needs to be. Um, so I think those are all ways that if you can negotiate and you're really having issues with your budget, not matching expectations, like that's where you can find wiggle room. But then as a planner and a professional, you have to be okay with hearing no. And I've had clients that I'm like, I've given them this advice every year of the last two years and they don't want to listen to it. And that's okay. That's just like, all I can do is pose the question to them of like, what if we did less things at once? <laughs> that would save money versus trying to nickel and dime and, you know, make this cheaper, find a lower quality something. Mary, how about you? What are some money saving tips you have? Yeah, I think you covered a lot of them. I would just say if you're an event professional who maybe doesn't have as much control over the budget when you are suggesting, you know, vendors or things like this, just ask the client, like, does this align with the budget? Or like, should I go try to find this so-and-so? Does that align with the budget? Like, it's just helpful, I think, to for them to know that you're aware of it and also for you not to waste your time and make sure that you're really getting people who who fit their budget. So I know that's like some scenarios because some scenarios we are completely uh, not attached to the event budget. And and so that's kind of what I'm referring to there. Um, another thing is, you know, we do a lot of fundraising events. And so always asking for a discount. I always ask for a discount when it's a fundraising event. I don't know if that would really be too appropriate for some other events, but for fundraising events, I always ask and they almost always say yes. So those are my only other tips. Yeah. I think my last one would be, we've talked about, we do this. I do this in my proposals as I have, sometimes I'll do options like a low, medium, high, or I had an agency word it very nicely as a good, better, best. And they did that for everything from speakers. Cause you know, you can pay a speaker $500. You could also spend, pay a speaker $50,000. And those are very different people who are coming to your event or they have to come for free, you know? And so I think that's like a framework I personally use for my services, especially if folks are kind of shopping and they're not sure what they need and they just want to know. Um, so that's really helpful. And then it's also same thing for your vendors and different aspects of your event budget, getting together kind of like a good, better, best um, is kind of nice just to show them. And then, and a lot of people are pretty visual. So having actual photos of like, this is, I've done that for a breakout room setup because a lot of people can't picture the equipment that they need for production and stuff. And I was like, here, let me get a screenshot from Google of just what's included in the room, the projector screen, the laptop on the desk, like, and that's what they get. And that was just really helpful to visualize it for some people um, who couldn't really figure out why this room was only a couple hundred dollars a day and this room is a couple thousand. And it's like, well, or scenarios talking through it. Like, well, they'll have a person. If they have a tech issue, the tech's in the room, the person's going to instantly jump in and help them. Down here on the smaller side, they're going to have to stick their head out in the hallway and hope the one person we have floating around is, you know, not doing anything. And then they call them in to help them or if that person's helping someone else. They have to wait and they're going to have to pause their presentation until that person can come help them. Like, trying to kind of give them scenarios and visuals to really understand what those differences are. Cause they're not necessarily, again, it is truly a good, better, best. Um, there's not really a bad option. It's just, what are you getting for your, for your value? Yeah. Ever since you introduced that idea to me, I've tried to start doing that and it's been great. So love learning from each other continually for sure. Yeah. Um, Helps us all create better events. It does. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> anything else that we want to add about event budgets or if not, I think that brings us to the end. Of our episode yeah problem. i think we're, we're there listeners if you have a fun event budget and you want to send it to us you can redact any information you don't want to share i love getting into the numbers that is like my favorite when i go to attend go to attend events i'm always like i want to know what that cost 
yeah. just want to know. I'm just curious. Or like with the cool like pyro effects we do in sports, I'm always like, I just want to know. Just so when a client's like, we want pyro and I'll be like, good. It's like 10 grand. Like my fun <laughs> fact I will tell you, Mary, is I, that I do know is about bands, especially like for weddings and events. Uh, if you want to know, it's a good estimate is it's about $1,000 a band member. So if you see a 10-person band, it's probably about 10 grand. And that is, I think for some people, it's very reasonable. Other people, that's a lot of money. So that's just my favorite. Whenever I go see a band, I'm like, oh, they're so good. And I'm like, oh, they're expensive though. And that's because it's their time and talent and, you know, everything. It's, it's definitely, there's a value to it. But I think it just helps put real dollars onto things. Um, but yeah, that brings us to the end of our episode all about what events cost. And Mary, I think you have our bonus tip this week. I do. So when you are thinking of your event budgets and different vendors and things that you might want, maybe consider using a brass band like a second line band to lead your guests from one part of the event to the other. Transitions are hard. And so if you're transitioning spaces ever from like a reception to like the main dinner, or maybe you're transitioning from the main dinner to an after party, use a second line band to lead your guests because they have so much energy. It's so fun. People, some people like know what it is. So they'll get up and like follow them and then everybody else will follow after them. It's a great way to get people out of space if you really need them to move on. I've done this once. We're going to do it again. And I'm so excited. It's just a lot of fun. That is so cool. Do they follow my rule though of a thousand dollars per person for a band? You know, they actually don't. And I think it might be just different because it's like it's like brass and they're not setting up stuff as much. I don't yeah, know. It's like Pretty a shorter, affordable. shorter. Yes, I guess yeah. I will also say, yeah, your your playing time also impacts that. If you're coming in for a quick like 10 minute set versus a three, four hour, you know, performance. But very cool. I love that. That's a great idea, Mary. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Better Events Pod. You can send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com. You can visit our website at bettereventspod.com. You can connect with us directly on LinkedIn. Mary and I really, truly do love that. So keep those messages coming. We love to hear from you. And as always, thank you for listening. And we'll be back in your ears again next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.